Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here on pain.tv slash gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. I hope everyone is doing great. It is Tuesday evening going into Wednesday morning. Thanksgiving is among us, and we probably all have a lot to uh, be thankful for, like the Fourth Industrial Revolution, the Great Reset, Klaus Schwab, Yuval Noah Harari, Elon Musk, and Peter Thiel. Those are things to be thankful for folks and what you could be thankful for is that i'm going to take a short break away from the history of eugenics that we've been covering over the last couple of episodes i have some new documents i'm going to introduce to you over the coming days i'll probably do a show tomorrow and thanksgiving but tonight we have a special guest dan golvach i told you about that last night dan has been on the show before he has been on the thomas Paine podcast the mothership of this operation and he has been on the former show that I used to produce, the Douglas Ducote Show. You know Dan's background. I explained that to you. Um, I'll just give you uh, a quick little synopsis here. Dan's been studying uh, theology, geopolitics, criminals, schemes, scams, grifts, and world powers for uh, over 40 years. Dan's son, Spencer, was murdered by a four times deported illegal alien um, several years back Dan lent his story to Donald Trump during the 2015-16 race knowing that uh, chances are Trump would end up screwing us all over but Dan thought it was important to tell his son's story and to help bring the issue of illegal immigration and open borders to the forefront and he looked at Trump as a useful vehicle for all of us that were interested in that topic so he uh Rolled the dice with Trump, ended up with pretty much the results that all of us thought were going to end up happening, sadly. But that's how I met Dan as I was working on a border documentary with Douglas Ducote. Uh, we were introduced to Dan. Dan introduced us to a lot of people down along the border, the really good law enforcement, the guys that are out there trying to do their job. So I've known Dan now for a few years. 
Uh, met with him in Texas over Christmas when I was traveling with my wife, and he is just an all-around great person, very knowledgeable. He's been following the FTX story, its ties to CBDC. I mentioned that to you over the last couple of episodes. So, Dan, it's great to have you back on the show. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Well, I'm still in the game, Dustin. How are you doing, Dad? <laughs> I am doing fantastic, man. I mean, hey, I, I know you were telling me for, uh, you, you were actually one of the people when I was going through the divorce that said, listen, just get the hell out of there. There's going to be good things on the other side. It was really you and Maria Albanese. And so when I left Nashville, man, I, I was depressed, but I don't, I don't let myself ever get like really, really down. And I've told the story on this show. I just happened to get really lucky. I met, uh, Maggie and it just clicked right away and, and now we have a boy and everybody's healthy so I can't really complain you know that's what it's all about and uh you'll progressively get faster at changing those diapers trust me <laughs> I've probably already changed a couple dozen and for all of my friends uh my age <laughs> and younger you know I'm 41 all my friends my age and younger that have been complaining about it I don't understand what the big deal is I mean seriously I mean maybe if it, if it was my daughter it might feel different but it's my son I'm like hey I got to take care of him until I potty train him which I'm hoping to potty train him by next weekend so everything should be fine but no, I don't see it as a big deal. Maybe if I was in my 20s, it would have been like it cuts off your club game and everything when you have a kid. But when you're 41 and you've already done all the crazy stuff, you know, it doesn't seem like a major inconvenience at all. Well, I'm going to need you to come down here and help me with my uh, puppy black lab. <laughs> He's not there yet. <laughs> so you got you got lots, you got I'm spending, lots of nature's miracle let me put it that way <laughs> so you, you guys went out for a walk today yeah we go out for a walk and he always waits until he gets back into the house to do his thing so you know i have to follow him around like uh with the nature's miracle stain and odor remover kind of like the secret service has to do with joe biden in the white house you know yeah well, it was, it was funny. The other day, uh, my mother's actually, my mother's in town, my stepfather, and then my mother-in-law just flew in from Poland the other day. She's here for a couple months to help us out. And so uh, Maggie had William dressed up in like this orange kind of Halloween onesie she bought. Of course, we thought he was going to be born around October 28th. He was two and a half weeks late. So she had him in this orange Halloween uh, sort of onesie and he farted she thought he went to the bathroom so she went to change him and then he crapped and for those people out there that don't know like in the first week uh, the kid craps it, it looks like yellow almost like the insides of like a pumpkin or like a cheddar cheese spray it's like so it was yeah, like shot out of him, and he had the orange jumper on, and he looked like Gallagher, the comedian, smashed a pumpkin up on the stage. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I said, "Take a picture of that. That's that should be the next cover." If the band Smashing Pumpkins was still around, that should be their cover. <laughs> Uh, past the Grey Poupon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, so Dan, you were just yeah, you were just telling me before, uh, you know, you had a gig canceled the other day because of the weather down there. It's been kind of cold and rainy, but it, you know, it was really interesting. I've been out of that sort of entertainment game 
for a while you're still in it because you play out uh you're like a one-man band and then you have a band so you're out and about around the houston area doing parties and uh restaurants and private events but you said ever since covid land the high school theater production you've seen the industry take a hit as far as um you know when you're relying on disposable income yeah you know that's a disposable income well that's what my industry hinges on and so you know it i did have a good first part of this year up until uh october when i started noticing it starting to uh to kind of uh you know now granted it's become kind of a seasonal business anyway so uh it's uh you know, when it, there's a lot of outdoor gigs that I do and so forth, but I, I'm just seeing from my vantage point, I'm seeing uh, a lot of uh, of my venues, the owners telling me, well, we're not seeing the numbers that we, you know, we need to see. And I've had a few of them closed down and there just seems to be some consumer confidence. I, it's probably because when you go to Kroger's to buy your, you know, your pinto beans and you're paying two and a half times more than what you were a year ago or whatever, you know, that it all adds up. And uh, so when Friday night or Saturday night comes around, you have less disposable income to go spend on a few drinks and listening to me sing Brown Eyed Girl, you know. Yeah, and I, and I think, Dan, coming on, like with all of this inflation and uncertainty, you know, piggybacked on top of, you know, COVID land, the high school theater production and shutting all these guys down for three, four, five, six months a year, depending on where oh, you yeah. are in the United States. They were just getting to the point where they were making up for the money that they lost being closed and now on top of it like you said if you're just an average middle class guy and you're like you'd like to go out on friday nights with your wife or your girlfriend or whatever you're now going man i I can't really go spend that hundred bucks like i can't afford to do it anymore that's uh that seems to be uh what's creeping up on us so so are you are you seeing less people are you seeing less people out at the venues Pretty much. I mean, uh, I did a venue last week that I started back at it. It's a, I told you about it, Krabby Daddy's. It's a place that uh, they, they reopened up under a new owner. The the old owner passed away, but they just reopened up. And uh, the only people were there, there were people that I invited. So they're just not getting a built-in crowd. And I'm seeing it uh, just across the board uh, i'm just not seeing uh, as much in uh, one of my venues that was pretty lucrative a pretty good place for me to play they just went under she said I'm, I'm losing money every time i open my doors wow wow what kind what kind of place was that a restaurant bar it was a wine it was a wine uh winery over in uh west of here in a, in a place called chapel hill beautiful spot and she said, I just can't afford to have entertainment. I'm having to let part of my staff go, and I don't even know if I can keep the doors open on this place. Wow. How long have they been around? Really, uh, a couple of years. And oh, I did think they, they open? opened up right before, oh, right before. Right before the COVID thing hit. Oh my God, that's like that's the worst. Because you go sink, you know, a half a million, million dollars into opening up a business like that, and then they close the doors on you immediately. That's crazy. I mean, uh, now, you know, you know, the- we were, we were, uh, that was in a county that wasn't as, uh, 
stringent as you know strict about it as the county that I live in, which is Harris County, which is awful. But you know, most of my gigs that I work are are out of this county, thankfully. So, um, but uh, we'll just have to see how it goes. You know, I mean, it is in the slower part of the year, but it's I've noticed it a little bit slower than usual. Well, let me just ask you this for, uh, cause I work for the, um, IRS. So no, I pre COVID, pre COVID <laughs> yeah. land, the high school theater production, live action role play. Uh, what, uh, like how many gigs a year would you on average do between, you know, all the different types of customers, you know, whether it be a bar, restaurant, a private event, like how, how many would you do in a year? Like a hundred? Uh, 200. Oh, 200. Wow. So you, you were booked uh, almost two thirds out of the year. Now, what, like on an average year, I mean, I know it's hard to judge because you've only been operational for, you know, 18 months or less, but what do you think on average you're doing now? 130. Oh, okay. So it has slid. And do you notice a difference? Because I know in your business, you'll uh, like sometimes you'll you'll go out and you'll do an event, you know, at a bar or something for not much, a couple few hundred bucks. But then you're allowed to put out like a a tip can, and you can make quite a bit of money off that. Like, do you see that going down I, now I've too? Seen, I've yes, I've seen a decline in that as well. And and as soon as the CB. <laughs> Uh, DC uh, comes in. Uh, I'll probably see even a greater decline. Well, yeah, because they they won't be allowed to legally transfer that to you because that doesn't fit the mold of the yeah. Technocracy Incorporated Energy Certificate. Now, Dan, I mean, yep. as someone who like I went to college at art institute of philadelphia my background was in in design and sculpture before that i was like a, a fine artist and then i spent the first you know eight years of my life uh doing commercial sculpture and i had a little marketing design business and I, i've been reviewing all the technocracy incorporated documents on the show the last 10 12 episodes i found like a treasure trove of stuff coming out of the 1920s and 30s uh, and it's basically the system we're pretty much living in like they've spent the last hundred years building this and when you read this stuff dan that this stuff is more detailed than the federalist papers you know articles of confederation the constitution i mean these guys basically have thousands of pages in documents defining the new government and it's basically everything world economic forum is pushing the united nations everything that we're doing here out of silicon valley in washington but there's actual stuff in their dances there is no value value to art no value to literature no value to creativity basically they consider you um, i mean it's all defined they consider us human engines and they say that for the food and the energy uh, the food and the oxygen that they allow us to take in in energy we only put out 10 percent of that back into the workforce so they deemed us to be inefficient going all the way back to 1920 so now all this transhumanism stuff and engineering us out of existence makes total sense but as someone who uh i mean you're you're like me that's why i like you so much i think you got some of the right brain and some of the left 
brain. So you can think analytically, but you can also think creatively. I got the creative stuff from my mom and the analytical brain from my dad. But to see how they talked about, like you and I would have been sent to the gas chamber a long time ago if technocracy was put into place uh, wholeheartedly in the 1920s and 30s. Like they would have been like, what, you play a guitar? You waste energy. You're going in the gas chamber. <laughs> I mean, this stuff is no, crazy no what I've been we're, reading. We're on the obsolete. Yeah, we're on the obsolete list. Yeah, no question. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Oh, yeah, obsolete because, one, you question authority, <laughs> and two, you're a creative. So it's like, boom, you're gone, done, out of here. Oh, I think music and art has, has it's, uh, well, for me, it's always been uh necessary just to maintain my sanity i mean i don't like to get in my car and just listen to the car i like to listen to led zeppelin or pink floyd you know it yeah. just colors everything up really nice and uh, it makes it it, it it take it transforms the world from black and white to technicolor right you know it, mm -hmm. music music accents everything and yes uh, it's a it's a language and it uh it Music and art, you take that away and you, you have a very bland world, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, it, when you read these old technocracy plans, the goal was to make it bland, man. Everybody gets the same number of energy certificates, which are basically what cbdc is because that's going to be like a carbon-based type system and and they changed out yeah. energy certificate for carbon credit that's the only difference instead of how much energy you consume it's how much co2 footprint you have that's basically how they changed it but when you read this stuff the the founder howard scott who came out of columbia university he he was not even hiding it. He said there is no individualism in this system. You know, there's no equality. There's no individualism. That's it. Like you you are a uh, you are a slave of the state. It's a system of total control of the means of uh, production and the distribution of goods and services. And that's why I said when you look at what's going on today. Even here in the United States, we're already under quasi-technocracy. Yes, you have the illusion that you vote for your representatives under a so-called constitutional republic, but they've used their private sector extensions to push all the service industry into gig work, which is all controlled by the technocracy. They push all the people that make art and stuff at home into Fiverr.com or into Etsy.com, people that want to rent their house or their apartment into Airbnb people that want to drive a taxi into uber you know people that want to make podcasts like me we're all driven under like spotify and then they have the ability to cut all any of us off from making money at any time or to throttle you so you can only make so much so they've already taken 50 60 percent of the workforce and driven us into a technocratic system at the end of the day oh. 
And Spotify can cut me off. At the end of the day, if you sell, uh, like say you wrote music bits and you sold them on Fiverr.com, I mean, all of a sudden, boom, that's it. They can stop you from making money any day they want. Yeah, that's about to be jettisoned into overdrive, I'm afraid. And that that's what attracted me to this FTX story because it, it this thing is so huge and it it's so profound and part of it what's profound about it is the fact that the mainstream media is telling you part of the story but I don't think they're really talking about what I consider to be the bigger part of the story yeah, so I told the yeah I told the audience the last couple of days that you've been texting me stuff and you've been following this and um, generally on my show because I try to um, leave things evergreen. That's why I do a lot of research into the history, into these documents. I try not to jump on board with what's going on in the daily news. But I said to the audience, this is very important. And I just have not had time with everything else I'm doing and all these uh, this treasure trove of technocracy documents I found to look into it. And I said, I'm going to bring Dan on. He's been uh, sending me a lot of stuff and I just don't have time to go through it. So let's, let's just start from the beginning on this. So all of a sudden the last uh, week i start getting text messages from everybody about this xtx uh x ftx stuff and this guy with the big afro so who's that guy what happened from the mainstream perspective like what's the story boy oh boy well first of all it's a fluid story so i'm learning every i'm learning things it's it's still ongoing this rabbit hole is it's just it's just digging deeper and deeper and deeper and you're starting to see things and you know the best way i can describe this i would liken this guy sam bankman fried freed i call him scam bankster fried fraud sure. uh, he he's much like a a multi-warhead icbm he's he's one missile that hits a lot of targets and if you pay attention to his background, if you dig into his background and where he comes from, who his family is, you have to start asking yourself the question, was he really in business to uh, offer people cryptocurrency service, you know, and, and you know, a, a, you know, a, a, an alternative to fractional reserve uh, fiat money banking? Uh, and my conclusion is that he was either uh, wittingly or, or, or I should say unwittingly or wittingly a tool for the bankster cabal, the fractional reserve, fiat, central bank, federal reserve, all that. Uh, and I, I suspect it's the latter. I believe personally that he was wittingly involved with uh, basically sabotaging what was meant to be a, an alternative to that form of currency. Uh, and if you really start reading into his background, you see that no one that he sprang from, the family that he sprang, that, that you would think the last thing that they would want to do is to uh, decentralize money and, and uh, take the power out of the banker's hands. Uh, and it's just, uh, 
it's really obvious how you look at his father. His father's his name is Joe Banker, and uh, <laughs> he's a Stanford law professor, and he was a huge advocate for all these far-left causes. Uh, he helped draft legislation with Elizabeth Warren, who is the most outspoken opponent of private cryptocurrency companies there is. Uh, he, his mother is uh, Barbara Freed, and she's also a Stanford Law professor associated associated with pretty far left causes and uh, heads up an organization called Mind the Gap, which advocates for criminals' rights. Uh, then you got his brother, Gabe Bankman. It gets really interesting here. He runs an organization called Guardians Against Pandemic. <laughs> and you can guess where that's going. It's uh, it's interesting to note that uh, FTX gave eighteen million dollars to fund this to fund this uh, study that supposedly debunked non-vaccine therapeutic type drugs to treat COVID nineteen. Not to mention that they fund research for new improved mRNA vaccines. Uh, he also has Aunt Linda, Aunt Linda Freed, who is part part of the World Economic Forum and uh, is in charge of the human enhancement. Uh, interesting enough, FTX was listed as a corporate partner with the uh, World Economic Forum and until last week when Klaus Schwab scrubbed his name from their website. But it's, it's on there. I mean, there was plenty of screenshots of it. And uh, he was part of that. And uh, so it's just, it's interesting to point out that he gave over $40 million to the Democrats and uh, specific, specifically lawmakers in charge of commodities, commodities and future trading commission, which oversees or are supposed to oversee companies like FTX. What does that tell you? Huh. <laughs> He's basically funding these people that are his overseers, right? Uh, so it's just, his company is just a Christmas tree of red flags, uh, red flags in, uh, None of these regulators seem to, to uh, notice until, interestingly, right after the, the midterms. Uh, and so, but the bigger, bigger story, I mean, when I said he was a multiple warhead ICBM, yeah, he did a lot of things. He was able to obviously uh, funnel a lot of money through Ukraine back to certain politicians. Uh, and he was able to obviously... Uh, you know, fun things like uh, research for new vaccines and r research, faulty research, phony research that makes it look like that's uh, therapeutics or that debunk therapeutics for uh, COVID. And but I think the big thing that he was put in there for is to get rid of or to bring down the government boot with regulations, any alternative to central bankers, because. Just a few days after the collapse, I don't know if you noticed this in the news, but the New York uh, Federal Reserve announced their pilot program, uh, and they're including uh, some big banks. Uh, they're going to start uh, studying CBDC, right. Central Bank Digital Currency, and uh, this was on the heels of the Joe Biden's executive order 14067, which opened the door to all of that. And uh, the participants in this are uh, Citibank, Wells Fargo, BNY, Mellon, uh, US Bank, MasterCard, PNC Bank, and Trust. And there's more. Uh, 
nearly all developed countries in the world are adopting this uh, CBDC. And uh, people want to ask themselves, is this any different than the current fiat currency scam that we have going now? Well, it is. It's fundamentally different because, first of all, right now we still have cash. And we still have cash in circulation. And that means you can do things anonymous. You know, you can be anonymous with your spending. Uh, they can't necessarily trace all of that. And then you have commercial banks that there's a lot of in-between people, a lot of middlemen between you and the people that actually issue the money and print the money, right? Well, that changes this. So this is basically a direct line from people to the central bank. And this, these CBDCs are basically a ticket to tyranny. Well, it's just, you, know, you can, if you watch any of this, these uh, World Economic Forum uh, symposiums or these, these talks they have about this subject and you go to the G20 and you listen to the director of the IMF, they're all saying, well, these, yeah, we need to have digital currency that's controlled by the government and there needs to be, you know, social credit scoring uh, attached to this. So they're all open about it, you know, based on carbon credits and, uh, you know, you, you see this shaping up and they want to get rid of cash. They want to get rid of alternatives to, uh, to, you know, this, uh, the central bank fiat money via private banks and private, uh, cryptocurrency companies. So they want to get rid of that. They want the government and in cahoots with the Federal Reserve banks to be able to control everything. And I think that he was put in there as a uh, wrecking ball because now what's happened, it's a psyop. So now you see a big, because of this, it's such a colossal collapse that you're seeing that all the politicians and, and the public sentiment going towards well, we need to regulate this now. We can't have this. We need to. This is all geared towards bringing in a government-controlled digital currency. Yeah, and, and it's the it's the. I was going to say it's the same thing they used to do with the so-called consumer protection advocates like Ralph Nader. You know, they need to come out and act like he was on your side. But the whole point was to help them create regulations that cemented in place further monopolies and centralization of certain sectors and industries and markets. So when you look at this guy, I wanted to ask you this, too, before we we go any further. Right. Just for people that haven't heard about this story um, uh, much deeper than if they've seen it on mainstream news. So you have this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried. Now, prior to this coming happening last week, this big news, would would a regular person, the average Joe out there, Dan, would they have heard of this guy before or unless you were sort of a, a crypto junkie type of person, you wouldn't have heard of him? Well, I'm not a crypto junkie, and I didn't hear of him. But if you were, yeah, you would have heard him because he was one of the two largest and he was backed by BlackRock and Boya and Coleman's Tiger Global and a bunch of big investors that, you know, they're a part of the, the New World Order cabal that we're always talking about. Uh, and you have to ask yourself, how do these ragtag kids, you, if, I don't know if you've seen them, they, they don't look like much. Uh, how did they grow a multi-billion dollar, what, $26 billion? Uh, just in a matter of a couple of years. I mean, that 
doesn't just happen. It's just like the rest of these tech giants. They're not self-made people. 